This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website, www.anchorchurch.com.au. For those of you who know Scott and Ruth personally, um, I think you can see they're tired. Um, and uh, I think they would be blessed by any encouragement and prayers that you could offer them. So if you know them, I'm sure they would love to hear from you after today, just as an encouragement that we are supporting them and with them. Well, Scotty mentioned um, in the, in his interview a little quote there um, that I want to draw on this morning and then dive back into Isaiah 52 very quickly um, and just give us a bit of context for what it means to be partnered with them in mission. So Scotty used a quote by a very famous Christian scholar uh, and missiologist by the name of Christopher Wright and he says this, he said, it's not so much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world as it is that he has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for mission. So mission is not simply what Scott and Ruth do over there. Mission is not just a line item in the budget. Mission is what we do together. Mission is actually at the very center and heart of God's purposes for the world, for his church and what he is doing. And uh, the reality is, as has already been mentioned, the work that Scott and Ruth do in Mindoro, in Portugalera, and the work that happens here in the inner west of Sydney is the same work. It's the same work of declaring the rule and reign of God through the person of Jesus Christ, and we get to participate with them together in that. Isaiah has this beautiful prophetic vision of what that looks like in that verse that Keith read for us. I want to go back to Isaiah 52 verse 7, and it says this, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, and who say to Zion, your God reigns. Now, that, um, th- that word there, beautiful and feet, those two words are often not found in the same sentence together. Right? It's just, is it an oxymoron where things just don't go well together, right? Beautiful and feet. And in fact, if, so, if you did hear those two words in the same sentence, like, your feet are really beautiful. It's just like, run, right? It's just like, that's really weird. Do not say that. Beautiful and feet. I don't know if you realize this, but apparently your feet have 250,000 sweat glands in them. Secrete up to 125 mils of fluid each every day. That's a cup of fluid every day. And you're like, no way. I'm telling you, like with kids, that is absolutely true. Those socks after school. Beautiful and feet, right? We just, it's, a, it's a weird picture that Isaiah gives us here at the start of his passage. I was reminded of um, the comedian Paul Razor, who was in that TV show, Mad About You. Does anyone remember that? Mad About You with Helen Hunt? Like, yeah, three people over the age of 40 remember that TV show. And uh, anyway, he's a comedian. He's written a book called Couplehood. And in his book, he makes, he makes this funny comment about um, the fact that we spend most of our time in the shower cleaning parts of our body that probably don't need to be cleaned and zero time cleaning the parts of our body that secrete 125 milliliters of fluid every single day. So we spend all of our time washing the upper body, the arms, but the feet, I mean, the feet are just, they're just too far away. It's such an effort to get down there and clean the feet. I mean, who, like, 
Who has washed their feet in the last week? Any, oh, three of you. All right. No, well, this, you guys are lying. No one washes their feet, right? It's just too hard to get to. But when Isaiah uses this metaphor of beautiful feet, he's not saying you guys have done a, you've got a beautiful pedicure and uh, you've, you've done a really good job of scrubbing the lint out of your toes. Right? What he is saying here is that, I'm sorry, all right, I'm done. I'm done with the feet metaphors. What he's saying here is that these feet are actually carrying a message and that's what makes them beautiful. You see, in the ancient Near East, when you won a battle, you couldn't just text to the PM. You can just ring you know, the head of the, the military and say, hey, we won. We won. It's over. We've won. Declare victory, right? They would send a messenger, a runner, who would literally sprint back from the battlefield to their home city and bring good news. And so Isaiah has this prophetic vision of this messenger and the people of the city are standing and anticipating, watching, waiting to see what would happen. And here comes the messenger running. They see the messenger on the mountaintops running and bringing good news. Far better than seeing an army limping back in defeat. Here is the good news messenger bringing back the message of victory. If you have news in the ancient Near East, there is only one way to communicate that news. That news is communicated on the feet of people as they go, as they travel, and as they take that news with them. Now that, that fact is lost on us. Because what do we do when we have good news? We just post it on socials, right? It's like engaged, here's my photos, weddings, babies, honeymoons, car purchases with a big giant oversized red bow on the bonnet, house, you know, I mean, you name it, whatever we've got good news to share, we just blast it on social media. Can't do that in the first century. Someone's feet have to walk that good news from one location to another to share that verbally with them. And this is the picture that Isaiah has for us. And it's the same picture that Paul picks up in Romans chapter 10 when he says this. He says, There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he says this, How then? Can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, and he quotes Isaiah 52 here, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Just like this prophetic imagination that Isaiah has of this military runner, running home to bring good news of victory to his people. Paul here sees those who carry a message, the message of Christ's life, death and resurrection, the message of the good news that Jesus rules and reigns, that he has conquered death and risen again. Those who carry and take this message have beautiful feet. How beautiful is the sight of a good news messenger? Now that is such a different reality. Such a different picture from what gets painted for us today. When we are told in our secular Western society that the message that you have as Christians is bad news. The message that you have in, as Christians is harmful and destructive and exclusive and narrow. So if you could just keep your religion private and to yourself, thank you very much. And here is Isaiah and the Apostle Paul saying, no, 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 that is not the reality of what we do as God's people, we carry a message of good news. 
of beautiful news. And this is the content of this message. Verse 7, the message is a message of peace. The messenger comes bringing a message of shalom, of holistic restoration of all of created order back to its original intended purpose where all of the dysfunction and fracture of this world is put right. This message is a message of good tidings, of good things. It is God's restoration of the it is good that was echoed after every day of creation. This is a message of salvation that God has delivered, that God has rescued His people. Now, for Israel's context, that is rescue from Babylon, that is rescue from exile and captivity, right? This message that God reigns, that He has not abandoned His people, that He will rescue them and bring them back. And for us, the message that Jesus has rescued us from slavery and captivity to sin and set us free in the personal work of Jesus. All culminating in the message, the, the summary statement, as the messenger comes back, he says to Israel, he says to us, your God reigns. Your God, he rules and reigns. He is king. He sits on the throne. And so much so that Isaiah draws the walls and the watchmen and the entire world into the celebration of this good news. Have a look at what it says in verse 8. The watchmen, they shout, listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. The watchmen who would sit on the walls of Jerusalem, waiting for the runner to come home, guarding the city. They shout, they lift up their voices together and they shout for joy. When they see the Lord returning to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. And then Isaiah begins to personify the walls, these broken down walls that are lying in ruins. He says in verse 9, that burst into joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted His people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. And then the whole world will see. The Lord will lay bare His holy arm in the sight of all the nations. And the urns of the earth will see the salvation of the Lord. A beautiful picture of those who take, carry, behold, and deliver the good news that our God reigns. And so to Scotty and Ruth, if you guys are watching this this morning, we want to say in the least creepy way possible, you have beautiful feet. We love the fact that we get to partner with you in taking the good news of Jesus to a part of the world that so desperately needs to hear it. In the Philippines, around 12% of their population, which is just over 117 million people, Around 12% of that population are evangelical. And I, I realize that has a whole bunch of negative connotations, that label. But that's just to say they're Bible-preaching, Jesus-loving churches. And that means that the vast majority of the population are either Catholic, Muslim, like they've mentioned, or some form of animistic faith. Uh, 40 million children. Of that 117 million, 40 million of kids and about 12 and a half million of those kids live in poverty. And so that means that our partnership with Compassion in Cebu is so significant. Our church alone is lifting over 100 kids out of poverty in Jesus' name. In the Philippines, 60,000 children a year don't make it past their fifth birthday. 60,000 kids a year die under the age of five. Now, the Philippines has actually had a staggering trajectory of, of moving people out of poverty. It's been incredible, but there is still so much work to do there for the cause of Christ, for the sake of the people of the Philippines. 
And we get to partner with Scott and Ruth in doing that. As Scotty has already mentioned, they are not distant from us. We see them as an extension of our church. They're a part of our family. We love them. And it is our privilege that we get to partner with them in what they're doing. James has already mentioned that it feels extraordinary that Scotty treks up the mountains or gets on his his motorcycle and goes up into the mountain ranges and teaches tribal pastors. And we think, I could never do that. I could never be a part of something. But the fact is, you already are. By virtue of being a part of this church, you are already partnered with Scotty and Ruth in what they are doing. You are partnering with them, freeing them up to be there, allowing Ruth to open her home and have a mother's group and read the Bible with other mums and read the scriptures with Muslim background people in the hopes that they would place their faith and trust in Isa. You get to do that. We get to do that together. And that is a beautiful privilege of what it means to be a partner with them. And so Scotty and Ruth, we want to say, we love you. We, we are blessed by being partnered with you. We see your beautiful feet as you bear and bring good news. But I want to say this to Anchor Church. The front line of mission is not in Porta Galera alone. The front line of mission is in your workplace and in your neighborhood and in your apartment complex and in your sporting team and in your family. That is where the front line of mission is. And how beautiful in Sydney are the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful in Marrickville are the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful in Reevesby at Southwest. How beautiful in DY on the Northern Beaches. How beautiful in Chatswood are the feet of those who bring good news. This is what we get to be a part of church partnering in the everyday stuff of life to see the name of Jesus lifted up and to be reminded of that declaration that our God reigns. And so can I encourage you, church, to be praying for Scotty and Ruth, to lift them up in prayer. My encouragement is as all the GCs go back this week, that you would spend some time in your GC praying for them, petitioning for them, praying for those two Muslim families, praying for the pastors that Scotty is training, the opportunities that they have. Just praying for them as they do life with a young family and young children, all of the complexities that that brings with it. So Scotty and Ruth, we love you. Thank you for joining us today. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to transition together to worship. And this morning, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And as we do that, I just want to remind you that the meal that we partake in is a meal that will be celebrated, not only just in this room this morning, but with countless believers. Like two, Philippines are about two hours behind us. So you know, they're probably just on their way up to church at 8 a.m. this morning, 9 a.m., rolling into church. There are believers who will celebrate this meal together this morning in the same way that we get to celebrate this meal, the body and blood of Jesus. And so up the back, there are two stations. On those stations are small cups of grape juice and some flat bread. And they represent the body and blood of Christ, the, the body of Christ that was broken and His blood that was shed for us. And my encouragement to you is in these next couple of songs of worship is to head to the back to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. If you need prayer for anything, there'll be people up the back. Pray for the people who are around you. This is our time to do business with God, to align our hearts with His, to remind ourselves of what He draws us into, that He is covering the surface of the earth with the glory of His name. And we have the wonderful privilege of going to work with our dad and partaking in that. And so can we head to the back this morning, celebrate the Lord's Supper together, worship together. I'm going to pray for us as we transition into that time. Father, I thank you that you are a God who is in the business of 
taking this good news message to the ends of the earth. I thank you that you, Father, are so committed to this mission of seeing the name of Jesus lifted up. And I thank you that we have the staggering privilege of partnering with you in that. We thank you for what that looks like here in Sydney. But we thank you particularly today of what that looks like for us to partner with Scotty and Ruth in the Philippines. And we pray for your blessing upon them. We pray just even as we see them, Father, they seem exhausted at the moment on that video. And sort of pray for an extra measure of your energy and grace and strength for them in this season as they wrestle with sleep deprivation and conflict on the field and all of the opportunities that you are putting before them. I pray that you would strengthen them by your Holy Spirit. Help them to be able to serve beyond what they have the physical capacity to do. God, I pray that you help them to know what it looks like to be able to rest and to create boundaries and have some time out for their family. I pray that you would strengthen them in their sleep deprivation and their tiredness and their exhaustion. I pray for good sleep for their children. Pray that you would have your hand over this conflict that is occurring and lift them out of it. So peace where there has been disunity and discouragement. And for all of the ways, God, that you are using them, I pray that you would multiply the impact of their work. Please raise up local indigenous leaders who can lead and pastor these churches and take over these Bible studies and see more and more communities established in the faith. I thank you for the discipleship that is happening. I pray that it would be effective and fruitful. God, we pray that you would strengthen them this morning. And for us, God, as we worship together this morning, remind us of our partnership, remind us of what unity in the gospel looks like. And remind us of what you call us into here in our city, that we get to be the people who would take your good news message to a broken, desperate and needy city. We pray that you would strengthen us for that task by your spirit. We pray all this in Jesus' strong name. God's people said.